HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hi there, I'm Greg from Kapow. Visit us at kapow.com to check out our unique collection of everyday reusable products designed to help you do more with less. C-U-P-P-O-W dot com. I'm Dave Arnold, host of Cooking Issues. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, and welcome to the Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel. Waking up after a long night of, of writing and uh, not many hours of sleep, luckily my guests today have brought me coffee, and rightly so, because they are behind Super Crown Coffee Roasters right here in Brooklyn, Darlene Shearer and Philip Hoffman. Thanks for being on air. Thanks for having us on. Hey, Michael. So I, I already gave you the disclaimer that I, myself, am not really a coffee drinker. I mean, I am. I love the flavor. I love bitter, um, which I know isn't all coffee, but my wife went away for a week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, she usually drinks about a, you know, a French press a day. I made a French press for myself and I still have coffee left in that French press after a week. You should throw it out of me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, in all truth, freshness. I mean, let's talk about coffee in, in, in that kind of, um, you know, idea. Mm-hmm. How fresh should coffee be? I mean, from its inception as a bean to it in a cup, what does that timeline look like? Wow. Um, Well, I mean, it takes from a seed to when when you can pick it, takes five to six years. Are we talking from that point? Oh, yeah. I asked the easiest questions first. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, You know, and then uh, once it's uh, milled and it sits uh, for several months, it depends, you know, like you want to get to a certain uh, humidity level uh, before it ships, but that's a couple months. Um, And then depending on where it's from, you know, it takes a couple months to hit, you know, that's when we say the coffee landed. Um, and so right now, what's landing right now are Kenyans and Ethiopians. Um, and then in June is going to be Central Americans. Uh, and then in terms of like, what's fresh? I mean, you know, the, stu- the stuff that we're buying and a lot of the specialty coffee roasters, we're buying stuff that's in grain pro bags. Some of it's vacuum sealed. Um, so the freshness, you know, we want to preserve uh, all that goodness and keep out any odors. And, you know, like when it's transported, it can get 
smells of diesel or whatever it's sitting next to. So we want to keep that freshness. And, you know, I'm trying to keep stuff six months out, you know, just kind of I'm following the season. So we're just, um, you know, it's guaranteed to be fresh. It has like a vitality when it's just landed, you know. And so, um, you know, there's some studies. It's all sensory, though, you know, like when something starts to degrade or starts losing that vibrancy. Um, and then in terms of, you know, you want to grind it right before you make it, and then you want to drink it within 30 minutes. Yeah. So don't keep it for a week. <laughs> yeah, but it's an amazing thing to think that, you know, we're six years removed from that seed until we actually have that cup of coffee. And yeah. often, what, six months removed from it being picked. Yeah, yeah, or sometimes more, you know. But yeah, I, I would say like at the minimum, it's about six months removed from when it's harvested, yeah. When, when did you two come to the realization that coffee was an agricultural product? I mean, was it at a young age or, you know, growing up with Folgers, you can go to the supermarket, get the grounds and make yourself a cup. But when did you realize there was so much more to the product before that? I mean, I think when I was in college, I would go I went to school in Cleveland, Ohio, and there was a local coffee shop called Arabica and they would have whole beans. So it's see, you know, oh, it's, you know, this you know this i could see that there was a bean and then that sparked a little bit of an interest but you know not really until i started you know when i started grill in 2002 when i actually started sourcing green coffee and then you know learning about the way it's harvested and all those things um you know then you know you start getting interested in agriculture you know because of like oh why does this taste better and you know why is something that's really high grown or why does it matter if it's shade grown or why does it matter if it's organic or you know, like all these things that go into it and, you know, the importance of an agronomist and the scientists that happen at, at origin. So um, I think like that's the I think that's the interesting part for a roaster, and especially for me, is, you know, partnering with those types of people who are that level of just experimentation and and constant improvement. You know, um, I just sourced a coffee from Panama from Alita Estate. And they're in Boquete. And they are, you know, they're such great innovators in Panama. But, um, you know, Wilford Lamastas, who's the producer there, he's, he, you know, experiments every, every crop. He's like doing something new. Yeah. So there are still innovations in coffee. I know we're in our third wave. And, you know, a lot of those questions that you, you just brought up um, seem not like third wave problems, but third wave <clears throat> considerations. Mm-hmm. Um, because the first two waves of coffee were... More, I think, about uh, um, finding coffee's place in society mm-hmm. rather than figuring out how to involve society in coffee. Yeah, I mean, you know, in the beginning of third wave, I think, or, you know, what, like right in the middle of it, you know, sustainability has been a big issue there, you know, it's been at the forefront. Um, and so that meant fair trade um, coffees uh, and then direct trade coffees, um, you know, and kind of like where... I am right now, uh, and what I'm looking for is really quality-driven, you know, stuff that's uh, winning awards and getting a good price and, you know, kind of like year after year or, you know, buying something from a producer. Like, I have three coffees from one producer in Columbia right now. Um, two of them were award winners, different award winners. One uh, was a, a winner for the, you know, World Barista Champion in 2013 and another one, um, Cup of Excellence. And then he's involved with an association, too. So, you know, kind of there's like a, I guess, a spectrum, you know, with with that one producer, 
his name is Arturo Legozamo, but or Arnolfo Legozamo, and he's in Wheela. Um, and he's just doing really great stuff, and he innovates, and he's really quality-driven so that his son is going to take over the farm. You know what I mean? So that, that's sustainable, is the, the second generation. Or, well, he's, you know, multi-generational, but um, the next generation isn't going to, you know, graduate from college and then work in an office in the city. They're going to take over the farm and continue that innovation, you know. So this cup of excellence, uh, um, talking about, you know, having not just a good cup of coffee, but a great cup of coffee. Do you think, like, Philip, do you think the average person that walks into your store, not that the average people walk into Super Crown, being that it's such a um, kind of destination now, um, realizes the quality of what they're having? And if so... I mean, what kind of markers are they looking for in that cup? Actually, I learned about this from Darlene, who watches our customers a lot. We've noticed that we use a lot less milk than other coffee bars. I also would like to shout out uh, Nick and Nina, who are at the uh, Super Crown Coffee and listening right now. And I'd like to ask Nina to get off her phone, please. <laughs> That's um, a joke. <laughs> <laughs> Is it? You'll go back there and you'll see if she's actually on her phone. <laughs> um, we've noticed people drinking way more black coffee. Hot black coffee, um, black pour-overs, um, black um, iced coffee. And I think that's an indication that people are not masking the flavor. I think people reflexively, you know, put coffee, and sh- you know, milk and sugar in their coffee. And we're seeing a whole lot of black coffee, more than in either of our careers. And I think that's, a, that's the first indication that people are tasting the coffee, not tasting, you know, the coffee drink that they're just having reflexively, you know, half asleep. Yeah, I mean, when I preface saying that I don't drink much coffee, when mm. I do drink coffee, I drink it black. Mm. And I was so glad I didn't have to ask you when you brought the cup over, oh, and make sure it's black. <laughs> I, I already knew that was going to be a given. Yeah. And, and, and it's true. I mean, you do, you do taste so much more when it's not masked by that fat. Mm. I mean, yeah, and this harkens back to the agricultural thing. I mean, there is terroir in coffee, just like there is in wine. And I think that comes through way more when you drink it black. Yeah, I mean, just regionalizing things. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the terroir of South America? What is the terroir of Africa? I mean, can you do it in that broad scopes, or is it more micro-regional? It's, yeah, it's micro-regional, and it's, like, varietal and processing, you know? Uh, it, you know, because Colombia, and, you know, the, I've got, the, you know, like I said, I've got three coffees from this one producer in Colombia, all very close to each other. Um, some same varietal. They just taste different. So uh, it's elevation. It's just... You know, there's a lot of different elements that go into it. And, you know, there are microclimates. You know, there can be neighboring farms, but uh, one gets a lot more rainfall than the, than the other. And that's just, you know, that's just something. You know, it's uh, funny. Uh, that was in El Salvador, uh, in Santa Ana. And, um, you know, some of the producers, they, they joke a little bit like, oh, I have such a harder farm because I have so much more rainfall that I'm always dealing with or whatever. You know, but um, it's just, you know, that's the nature part of it. So. You know, a lot of this discussion, you know, uh, kind of parallels with talking about wine. Mm-hmm. Um, even when we talk about, you know, tasting notes, flavor and aroma, you're going to mm-hmm. talk in, in the same spectrum as those wine notes. Absolutely. Uh, why do you think it's taken us so long to realize that most agricultural products of this ilk mm-hmm. um, are similar? You know, it, it shocks people with it. Oh, you know, different elevations, different... Fl- I mean, mm-hmm. this happens in other industries, but yeah. wh- why are we only now as aware as we are about yeah, coffee? That's a great question. I think it's because we're paying... You know, like, people are... You know, there's Cup of Excellence now, and there's barista competitions. I think there are venues for showcasing um, quality, 
Yeah, because you know? the coffee's better, the so there's more better. to talk about. Yeah, and, and it's just not are, hot black caffeine. And and people are paying a, a you know a, a premium price for a premium product. You know, so I'm saying like uh, you know roasters will get online and and uh, be part of an auction for you know best of Panama winners. You know what I mean? Like who came in first, second? You know what I mean? And it gets crazy. It's like you really know, there are online bean auctions. Yeah, 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 well, yeah. What are those websites? Not to take away from your business, but I mean, I, I <laughs> well, think like, it'd be fascinating you know, to watch those. Yeah, I mean, like Hacienda Esmeralda in, in Panama. Um, you know, uh, various producers in Weiwei Tenango in Guatemala. You know, they're you know the people who are at the top of their game and they're you know savvy and they know how to use these tools and are really quality driven. You know, they it, it pays off. You know what I mean? They're seeing it paying off, and so. Um, you know, and then as a roaster, we would just want to find those customers, you know, so like we're all in it together. But as long as someone on the end is willing to pay $28 versus $11 for whatever it is, like a, you know, 250 gram bag of coffee or whatever. Um, if there's a buyer, there's a consumer for it, you know, and also showing, you know, it's not all $11. The prices are different, you know, and the price is based on. The, That's another know. wine analogy. Yeah. You know, there's a $9 bottle of wine. There's a $30 bottle of wine, you know. Yeah. And you should be able to taste the difference. Yeah. Yeah. There's not to say there's anything wrong with the 11 you know, dollar whatever, but like, you know. There's... You should be able to taste that there is a difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it might, it might not even be to your taste. Some of those, you know, um, the real premium stuff is really delicate. You know, and so, you know, that's what I'm, you know, working with. And, you know, I'm really trying to bring that nuance out and not, you know, be heavy-handed with the rose. So, There's you know. another analogy, Michael, which is that Darlene just touched on, which is, you know, when you talk about after grapes are harvested, there's a whole fermentation process, there's a whole aging process, but roasting technique is also something that Darlene is extraordinary at that brings out notes. I mean, the way Darlene roasts brings out understanding what those notes are and how roasting can accentuate them as part of the art of roasting. I mean, we don't have to talk about it because you walk into Super Crown and you see it front and center. Uh, 1952 Probat. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's talk about this large German piece of uh, cast iron. The <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, I love that machine. You know, it's, um, it's so I've had it for four years. It's uh, formerly Altera's. Um, they're now Collectivo, but they're in Milwaukee. Um, and, the, you know, personal friends of mine from the Roasters Guild and um, and, you know, Marty Curtis is the person who originally restored it. So it's, you know, it's a very, ins- like a very small little specialty world, but it's beautiful because the bones of it, the construction of it are cast iron and stainless steel, you know? And so from there, you know, it, like you can't, you know, that it just is what it is. It takes 45 minutes to warm up. Um, but I, you know, you have a lot of controls and the burners are amazing. So I have, I just have a lot of control, you know, I guess it's like a cast iron skillet, like the grilled cheese sandwich you get from a cast iron skillet is a little bit different from... It's like a uh, tube amp from the 60s, basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it has um, a much richer sound. <laughs> and then, you know, so it's it's from 1952, but then, you know, we've restored it and, um, and uh, I've added, you know, a connection to my laptop. So I'm watching on Cropster, you know. Uh, I put all my inventory in there, and then I follow roast profile. So, you know, it's uh, it's got old bones, but it's got, like, a new brain. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I've watched people Sort roast. of like me. <laughs> <laughs> You're old. Yeah. Wait, you got new bones and an old brain. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> you know, I've watched roasters uh, work their machines, and... Um, 
ha- have things changed? I mean, you talk about this new technology and being able to tap in via electronics. Mm-hmm. Via Crops is the name of the program. Yeah. Um, but have things changed? Uh, you pour it in the top. And this is, you know, yeah. me doing a very big generalization <laughs> on how you roast coffee. Yeah. But you pour it in the top. Mm-hmm. You watch it spin around. You pull that thing out every once in a while to look at it. The then, trier, yeah. Then you smell it every once in a while. Yeah. You listen to it crackle. Then it comes out the bottom and you kind of sift your hands through it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean... Has it changed? Well, yeah, I mean, there's like a, you know, there's a newer roaster that's called Loring, so it's sort of this hybrid of drum-style roasting but fluid beds, so it recircle it recirculates air, and it, yeah, I mean, a lot of us drum roast, so the, it is basically what you just said. You know, you put it in the hopper, you drop it into the drum, it rotates, it spins around from 10 to 15 minutes... Uh, on a you know uh, goes from this temperature to this temperature. But there's a decisive moment. You don't talk to Darlene when she's roasting. Oh, yeah. yeah. At the end, at the end is really critical because it's like exotherming and it's, it's changing really quickly. Yeah. You know? Do you have so, to put the you know um, what is it called? Do you, do you have to be her bodyguard? Sometimes, I mean, absolutely. She's right yeah, yeah. there in the open, and yeah, I'm yeah, sure yeah. people no. want to engage with to her. her. <laughs> no, we we are all her bodyguards when she's roasting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You know, and having this, you know, older German machine uh, is not to say that, again, you're not using technology because within Super Crown itself, too, you, mm-hmm. you have a little um, fascinating pour-over machine. Oh, yeah, the pour-steady. The pour-steady. Shout out to pour-steady yep. and Gowanus. Uh, yeah, it's, you know, that, that uh, that's, I, you know, I love, I guess, you know, it's a, this combination of uh, manual and automation, you know. So this is... Um, a uh, pour-over machine uh, invented by you know, um, this guy Stewart and uh, Stefan are the guys who own it, and they, you know, Stewart is a NASA engineer. He's worked for them, so you know, and he's also a, a coffee fanatic, and so he would get pour-overs, and he was like, you know, I could make a robot that does that, you know, and uh, it, like very simply, that sounds like, oh, sure, yeah. you know, those NASA guys with their <laughs> one-uppings. <laughs> But what's great about it is it, it takes, you know, um, some people say, oh, ro- robots are replacing humans or whatever. And it's not. It's just a tool. It's just another tool that we, uh, you know, it's like, like saying you have a really nice camera, but you don't know how to take photos. You know what I mean? Like you still, it, it allows you to, to uh, create parameters. There's and, programming and dosing. Yeah, I mean, we there, dial a, in every coffee. There's a barista expertise to working the poor study. Yeah, there's one person. We have a trainer, uh, Marissa, who's like, she dials in all the coffees. You know, every week I'm like, okay, it's going to be these four on pour over. And, you know, this is going to be our single origin espresso and so she dials them in like this is the grind setting this is the dose uh this is the temperature you know like she'll she'll dial each of them in so uh we're ready to go but then you know then it's you know pretty easy that pretty much anyone uh they just read the card and follow the instructions and can do it and the idea is that you know from a roaster standpoint i want people to order pour overs i want them to try this bella vista i want them to try the single you know origin coffees and actually think about it you know what i mean so um, and sometimes what happens in New York is that, you know, you order a pour over and it could take 15 minutes, which is a bummer. You, you know what I mean? You just have to watch them swirl it around. <laughs> and also, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm on coffee geek, so I'll wait, you know, but like, it makes me mad. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm like, come on guys. Like, or, or you see why it's not working. You're like, it's just, you know, it's too busy or this is just not the right time of day to get. And get this machine has five stations. Yeah, that so we can, can do, do five, five asynchronously. Um, yeah. Robots are good. <laughs> <laughs> Robots that, the best. Yeah. <laughs> on that note, we're going to take a quick break and actually come and do a live cupping on air. And if yeah. you don't know what a cupping is, you're going to find out soon. You've been listening to The Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org.
Americans throw away 58 billion disposable cups every year. A lot of those cups will still be around long after you're dead. Kind of dark, I know. But I'm Greg from Kapow, and we decided to do something about it. We created the only glass travel mug that's 100% U.S. made. You can check it out alongside our complete line of everyday reusables at kapow.com. C-U-P-P-O-W.com. Hey, and welcome back to the Food Scene on Heritage Radio Network.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel, and I, too, will compliment Darlene and Philip of Super Crown Roasters, because this is very exciting. We're going to do a live cupping on air, and if you don't know what that is, uh, get your filthy mind out of there. It's not what you think. It is about coffee. Nobody's mind was going there but yours, <laughs> Oh, Michael. I was talking to myself. Okay, good. <laughs> um, so explain to me what a cupping is and... I mean, you are a master at this, being a sensory judge and being part of the Roasters Guild. But would someone ever do a, a cupping at home? And if so, how would they go about doing it? Oh, I don't think you would do it. I wouldn't do it at home. <laughs> I really feel like it's a professional tool to evaluate coffee. You know, um, I know, you know, some places like to do like public cuppings and all that stuff. I always feel like it's better just to do a tasting so you don't have to deal. It's kind of messy. You know what I mean? And we're going to... You know, like our spit's going to be like, you know, I'm drinking after you and, you know. It's a DNA situation. Yeah, so rule number one, have a professional or do it in a professional space. And also, you know, you want to do like, you know, I'm pouring, I'm just doing four. We're doing four coffees right now and I'm just doing four cups, you know. So, you know, there's different reasons you do cupping. You know, you can do, you know, do five, set up five of each coffee to find if there's defects. And, you know, there's different reasons why you do cupping when you're, like, thinking about buying something. So um, for this, we're just doing it because it's it's also the purest way to taste coffee. You know, there's no filter involved. Um, You know, I just, uh, I put in um, a certain amount of grams of coffee, we grind it coarse. I'm pouring, uh, you know, water just off of boil. Uh, across these, we're going to wait four minutes. We're going to break the crust, and then we're going to start slurping. Excellent. So, should we just wait in silence? <laughs> we can't. We can yeah. sing. <laughs> um, what happens in cupping clubs stays in cupping yeah. clubs. Right? <laughs> Except for this one, I have a, I have a couple of listeners that that hopefully mm-hmm. will come to you and and do more cuppings Um, because the great thing about what Super Crown is really based around isn't just the cafe atmosphere which is beautiful Hmm. um, but there's a subscription service and in that service people are in a sense being able to you know kind of parse out that cupping at home because they taste different kinds of coffees throughout that time do you Um, remember cereal? I do remember cereal yeah it's a little bit you know I mean I I think when we were um conceptualizing super crown um i was listening to the serial podcast and like you know riveted and I, there was something about it that i just loved in there that every episode you know like something would be uncovered and you're like oh cool and then there was a hook to the next episode and uh i just love that and i loved the the un- can you sing <laughs> and i just love the unfolding we story have that in, our, in our foley grip yeah so i, I love the way that the story was unfolding and so you know um when I was thinking about the subscription service, you know, I, I knew I, you know, I'm making it for, for me basically. And, and hopefully there are other people who care about this, but you know, I'm like, it would be really cool to have a new coffee every week. Um, you know, seasonally driven and, um, and something unique or special about each coffee, you know, and how, you know, I guess over the course of the year, you know, you're going to, if, um, you know, if you subscribe for it weekly, you're going to get 52 coffees all, you know, different, um, 
What's that website again? Supercrown.coffee. <laughs> you got a great pitch man here. I know, seriously. But, I mean, I'm holding a, a Kanzu lot number 15 box in my hand right now. Yeah. First of all, how are the first 14 lots? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, the reason that's... Rejected. Yeah. <laughs> that's how we got here. Yeah. Lucky number 15. Um, I mean, it's because um, Rwandan coffees are named after their washing station. Um, you know, that's another thing that um, we're trying to do is like is being really really transparent and really drilled down. So um, this was separated as, as a, a little bit better or, or a high, you know, like just separate from the rest of, you know, sometimes a washing station will get a lot of coffees. Um, and so when we can separate out certain lots, you know, and sometimes you can separate the farm, you know, in Ethiopia, we're talking about being able to actually uh, know who the farmer was. So cause sometimes they go to the mill and, you know, they kind of just get mixed in and everything. So like in a blind tasting, you may be able to, Tell me what farmer in Ethiopia grew that coffee. No. <laughs> no, no, no. Nah, yeah. no. I think yeah. we're, are we at four minutes? I think we are. Oh, oh, my timer. Shoot. <laughs> yeah. Hold on. Let me just break the crust. All right. We're going to break the crust of, of, of I'll, I'll give the play-by-play. Let's see if I can do color commentary on coffee. Well, set up what it looks like, Michael. We have cups, right? We do have cups. Four cups. Hence the cupping. Um, and the hot water has been poured in and the coffee itself has kind of bloomed there's almost a cream cap to it so and breaking the crust is is doing what contextually well i want that off so i can blasting the cupping spoon through the top of the cup and consistently so i'm doing it like three times right so you're consistently kind of agitating it to kind of break through that thing i want the grinds to settle and the grinds to settle yeah and so i'm going to clean it off isn't this riveting radio? <laughs> Live cuppings. You know, I've, I've done a couple cuppings before, and again, it, it seems very odd because you're, you're making coffee in a way that you wouldn't usually make coffee. Of coarse ground, you know, hot water on it, and then breaking this crust and then removing it. So it kind of seems uh, um, like a very rustic way of doing coffee. Well, it's like putting a thief in a wine barrel. Yeah. Quite frankly, it's like, you know, what is this in... What's this going to be? Yeah. So, I mean, you're just getting an extraction. You're not getting its full... Uh, uh, Is that right, darling? What do you mean? No, I'm getting an extraction. He's saying getting extraction, not a fully brewed thing. Is that, what you're, is that your no, point, Michael? Yeah. This is brewed. I mean, it's, okay. it doesn't have a filter. Okay, it's right. fully yeah. brewed, but doesn't have a filter. Right, exactly. Sorry. <laughs> sort of like you, darling. <laughs> I have no filter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like a cupping. <laughs> okay. So, uh, do you want to start slurping these? Yeah, so we're going to start slurping. <laughs> um, so we have cupping spoons. They're a little bit deeper. And should I be talking in this? Yeah, yeah. A little bit deeper and uh, bold, so you can get uh, just a nice sample of the coffee. And then we're just going to slurp like this, like that, so you can aspirate and get all the different... I think I've done this with olive oil before. Um, oh, cool, yeah. Like, you don't really aspirate with, with vinegar for, for obvious reasons. Um, so I'm going to let you do it first so I, I don't make a fool of myself. <laughs> so you want a little bit like that? And feel free to slurp right there in that mic. Well, that was a good slurp. Thanks. <laughs> oh, sorry, Philip. No, no, cool. Okay. And when you slurp... Yeah. I mean, you don't spit back out. Well, I, I, I would. Yeah. If I was doing a lot, you know, I would ha- yeah. have a spit cup. So I would just, uh, basically, you just want to taste it. So basically, you just want to taste it and kind of yeah. have it sit on your palate. Do you want to 
you just want you get like a first impression and then a finish, you know, and so Okay, this is my first slurp. <laughs> no, that wasn't me. <laughs> you don't quite have the velocity of the intake there. No, Mike. no. <laughs> I'm I'm slurp more it of a like sipper. you mean it. <laughs> yeah. Slurp it like you mean it, Michael. Yeah. But I mean just it's also like a really pure way of tasting the difference. Yeah. It's cool having, you know, no, I mean, I, I, I just got to slurp the Bella Vista, um, which was a, a cup of excellence winner. Yeah, um, yeah that was uh, last year, uh, 2014. Yep. I'm, I'm reading the tasting notes, but I'll kind of go back as to what I thought about that, that, that first cup. Sure. Um, but caramel, tropical fruits, savory flavor. Um, I definitely pick up the caramel. It, it's a lot, it's, it's creamy, you know, without yeah. having milk in it. It's almost... Again, very caramely. Mm-hmm. But the, the tropical notes are just very small. They, they peak a little bit. They're more acidic than they are tropical. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's definitely juicy. Yeah. You know? Um, I mean, there's like a... I mean, it is a perception thing. Um, oh, this is El Cidro, which is uh, from Peru. This is a, this is a yellow Katora, which is a... Kind of a unique varietal. Oh, I really love that. That's one. That's nice. I mean, that's like a crowd pleaser. Definitely, yeah. it's it's well balanced. It's a little dry. Yeah, I guess so. It's it's definitely not. You know, we have um, all these Colombians that are like really bright. Mm-hmm. You know, and this one is just more. I guess it's just more round. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's a little chocolatey, and um, it's really nice. We've been doing the Japanese method iced coffee, and that one's really beautiful that way. And it's it's good in espresso. You know, we put we've been experimenting with espresso blends you know i'm not a big blend person i don't really like single origin but um it goes well with like one of the rwandans yeah you know i mean what is your bespoke coffee of the moment right now and for what reason well they're all bespoke <laughs> <laughs> um what, what what one am i really liking yeah right now? um i don't know that's really good i really love that gatesi that you're about to slurp this is from uh rwanda it's just. You got the mustache muffle in your slurp. Part, yeah, and, and my my whole mustache and beard were smell like coffee for the rest of the day. And I really love the uh, Finca Alfeldo, and that's again that's from Arnolfo Legazamo in in Wheela. Um, it's just, and that's definitely I, I would have to say that's a staff favorite, like kind of across the board. Everyone really digs that, and um, you yeah, know, it's on the pricier side. Um, we're actually ice if you come in. You know, this week you're gonna get an iced coffee because I, we've got a good amount of it roasted. So that one is so distinctly different than the others. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a really beautiful coffee. Yeah, yeah. it's interesting because I tried that recently from uh, a different roaster. Uh, anyways, I'm biased. Yeah, I, I felt like they over roasted it. You know, it's such a, I, I don't know. You know, I just like it's so juicy and so, you know, interesting and just I don't know, like alive, you know. And I feel like they just kind of like hit it with a rubber mallet or something. But I mean, so th- these kind of descriptive, you know, the, hmm. these these ways to describe coffee. Um, I've heard things like animal like, ashy, uh, <laughs> animal like. Yeah. What does that mean? Yeah, I don't. I think it means. It smells like my dog. I think it means funky. Oh. Like you know, you get bio dye wines, and sometimes uh, you're like, oh, it's barnyardy. That's a nice way of saying indole or shit. Yeah. Right. Um, but I, I've heard like ashy, cereal, you know, toast like. Yeah. Um, I've Those even are heard defects. like spicy, whiny. Oh, spicy is nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, what what are the ones that you go for if you were describing your perfect coffee? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, like what, what would notes? be those descriptors? <laughs> I mean. I I love like lemon, grapefruit, you 
Pinot, Tangerine, Mandarin. Like, I love all the fruit notes. And then I love caramel and chocolate. Um, I'm not really into earth or leather. Or, you we know. just put um, coffee and lemonade together in a cold drink for the summer. I've which heard. pretty much that. That kind of defines Darlene's palate in many ways. Yeah, I mean, talk to me. And this is Twin yeah. Peaks inspired. It's the Laura, the Laura Palmer. Palmer. Yeah. yeah, man. Yeah. So it's a, you know... Um, uh, kind of a riff on the Arnold Palmer. So we, we would do two-thirds uh, iced coffee and then one-third house-made lemonade. Uh, and then Sean from the shop. We were just, like, throwing around names. And we're like, it's like an Arnold Palmer, but, you know, like, we, we, what would be a different name? And he said Laura Palmer. We're all like, that's it. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, wait for David Lynch to call us. But that speaks to yeah. <laughs> the acidic notes and the caramel notes coming together. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so For refreshing, and it works. Content. You know what I mean? I, that's another thing that I love. What you, you know, um, when I was thinking about it, you know, I, I it's a, from a roaster in Sweden that I saw. You know, I saw on Instagram. I was like, oh, that sounds like such a cool. That sounds weird, but that sounds like such a cool idea. And then what did we, they call it? Oh, cafe lemonade or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so uh, when we tried it, you know. We were really, I was really pleased and happy that it tasted really good. I mean, are there other drinks? Are you trying to use coffee as that kind of culinary ingredient? Yeah, we launched yeah. one this week. Yeah. Uh, espresso tonic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that's popping up around. Um, but it's cool because it's, you know, it's, uh, we're, we're using um, that espresso, the Kanzu that you're using. That we're doing a single origin espresso specifically for the espresso tonic because it just pairs really nicely with the. You know, tonic water. So the tonic has like you know bubbles. Obviously, it has this effervescence to it, but it you know it's lightly sweetened, and I don't know. They they just go well together, and so yeah, that's rem- kind of like that's like really what we're trying to do. You know, is like um, kind of be purist, but also have a lot of fun with you know like oh, just try it in this different recipe. And you do actually allow well, not milk, but cream. <laughs> Cream mm. happens at Super Crown. Oh, yeah. Espresso milkshake. Yeah, now. and tell yeah. me about this uh, yeah. megalith. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> lining what, up for the yeah. espresso milkshake. I know, big surprise that people really love the, <laughs> those things combined yeah. together. Yeah, I mean, it's, we're doing an, a, a coffee milkshake, so we're doing um, espresso and um, Amber Hill's sweet cream ice cream. So, you know, um, we're trying to find a sweet cream ice cream, not vanilla. You know, I didn't want to have that vanilla stuff in it. Um, and so uh, we talked to Brian from Ample Hills, and, you know, I'm a big fan of their ice cream. And I said, you know, before you put in the strawberries or the cookies or whatever, could you just set aside the sweet cream? And so that's what we're doing, you know. So uh, they put them to the side, and then we, you know, have an ordering system. But so it's uh, just a pure, pure base, you know, and then we add um, espresso shot to it, you know, double um, espresso grinds. Milk and then um, some sea salt, molten salt, a little molten salt. Yeah, Yeah. so which actually gives it kind of this like caramel dimensionality to it. Again, I mean, I think it puts coffee in its proper place as an agricultural product that doesn't have to stand alone. Mm. Because for so long, you know, coffee was a specialty item, and I feel like when you get put or labeled as a specialty food item, Mm -hmm. um, you become niche, and once you become niche, you become kind of. not ostracized, but kind of hmm. put to the side of other things. Like, you don't play nice because you're within this weird pigeonhole little thing. And I'm happy to see, you know, uh, coffee be able to, you know, play with others nicely. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what we're really trying to do is we're trying coffee to pair Coffee always it. plays well. The- yeah. Coffee keeps everyone away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But we're trying to pair it with, like, stuff. You know what I mean? So, um you know, and that's a little bit, you know, I was a barista judge for a few years. And so um, there's a signature drink that's always, you know, 
part of the part of the performance and part of what you're judged on. But um, the challenge is to highlight something about the coffee, you know, not to overpower it or, you know, or how do you in, how do you interestingly pair that with something, you know? And, you know, the competition is much more purist than what we're doing, you know, at the store. Because, um, you know, we want to be playful. And, we, you know, I also want I want people to try coffees in different, uh, you know, settings and stuff. But Well, I mean, there's really only one setting in this area to go have coffee, and that's Super Crown. Oh. So if you, <laughs> if you come to Heritage afterwards or prior, please go get a coffee, and you'll be a much more awake and alive and guest. Would that be 8 Wilson Avenue? That would be. <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm, I'm, this I'm taking this guy with me. <laughs> but thank you, Darlene and Philip, so thank much. You, and Thanks, thank Michael. you so much for Super Very Crown cool. Coffee, too. It's such a wonderful space, and uh, it, oh, it's thanks. so alive with so many great things yet to come. Oh, thanks so much. Uh, it's a pleasure to be on your show. Excellent. Uh, you've been listening to The Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel. Hoping to have you back here next Tuesday at 3. A big shout-out to Cookies for the Music, Kapow, uh, for sponsoring, and, of course, David and Malcolm in the booth. Cheers. David and Malcolm. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.